Let's look at John chapter 7. We're, uh, this is, we're going to celebrate Holy Communion today, and so we'll have the sermon a little sooner. And we're in John 7, verses 28 through 36, continuing this series. We're trying to focus on the red letters of John. So what exactly did Jesus say as it's recorded, and how did he live? What's the way of Christ? And Jeff is right. It one word, mercy. That was his favorite verse from Hosea 6.6. 6. He kept, he quoted it several times. Um, whatever Jeff quoted there a second ago. <laughs> I desire not sacrifice, but mercy. Go and learn this. And he kept telling the religious people, you're not getting it. Like you keep giving me your sacrifices. I am the sacrifice. It's over. You can rest now. All I desire is mercy. All I desire is a broken and contrite heart. Uh, That I will not cast out. So, here's Jesus in John 7. Uh, Before we get to verse 28, he's, of course, he's still embroiled in this little little argument with with the religious authority. And he's at the temple. This is the festival festival of booths, uh, still in Jerusalem. And He's, he just couldn't help himself. He ends up going to the temple and starts teaching. And this is what the crowd says. These, these are the verses preceding where we are that I just want to give by way of context. He says, or it says, the crowd says, is this not the guy the religious authority is trying to kill? So they see him speaking and they're like, wait a second, this, isn't this the guy that the religious elite, the, the, the establishment, the the authority are trying to kill, and they're like, but look, he's, he's speaking in public. Is he crazy? And then they say, um, why are they not going after him now? Have they changed their mind? Do they now think that this is the Christ? And so they're, they're, John is bringing us into the mind of the crowd at this moment. And um, they begin to continue to talk amongst themselves, and they say, but this can't be the Christ, because we, we know this guy. He's Jesus of Nazareth. We know where he's from. And now, so tradition had it at this time that the Messiah, the Christ, those are two titles synonymous, it would be a mystery where he's from. And so they're like, but we know where this guy's from. This can't be the one. Okay, so that's where we pick up. And then Jesus begins talking. Let's look at verse 28. Then Jesus cried out as he was teaching in the temple, You do know me, and you know where I'm from. I have not come on my own, but the one who sent me is true, and you do not know him. I know him because I am from him, and he sent me. Then they tried to arrest him, but no one laid hands on him because his hour had not yet come. Yet many in the crowd believed in him and were saying, when the Messiah comes, will he do more signs than this man has done? The Pharisees heard the crowd muttering such things about him, and the chief priests and the Pharisees sent temple police to arrest him. Jesus then said, I will be with you a little while longer, and then I am going to him who sent me. You will search for me, but you will not find me, and where I am, you cannot come. 
the Jews said to one another, where does this man intend to go that we will not find him? Does he intend to go to the dispersion among the Greeks to teach the Greeks? That was all the the non-Jews. What does he mean by saying, you will search for me, but you will not find me, and where I am, you cannot come? The word of the Lord. Let's pray. Christ, I pray now that you would calm me and uh, calm us. What, what a great way to think about life that Jeff just gave us. Just be here now. This is the moment, no matter where we came from, no matter why we're here, uh, no matter who we are, this is the only moment we have guaranteed for us is this one. And we're together. And that's not a coincidence. I pray that we would be present with one another, that we would be present with you, O Christ. Please enable us to experience that presence that we might find life. In Jesus' name, amen. I've I've been in therapy many years now, and it's been a a life um, source for me and resource and uh, slowly in fits and starts, experiencing healing. And there was a watershed moment in a session with my therapist not that long ago, about a year ago maybe, when, and I'd been seeing her for, uh, I mean, we're going on 10 years now, I believe. And I've been seeing her for a while, and she looked at me and, and she said, Chad, it's clear to me that, that your soul quest in life is to be present with what is real, whatever that is. And I was, I like started crying. Um, I felt so seen. No one had quite put it that way and, and articulated it for me, what is true. And my wife knows this about me. Um, Come hell or high water, I I will risk it all to find out what is real, what is authentic, what is true. Because if it's not connected to that, none of it matters. Jesus here, I believe, is telling these people, these people, a lot of them in front of him, that you won't be able to go where I'm going. Because I'm going to the real. (laughs) I'm going to a place of truth. And unfortunately, a lot of you are not going to follow me there. You're not actually looking for me there. I think that's how we understand this. He's going to, I like to, this is Richard Rohr's language probably, um, the really real. That is what heaven is actually. It just, it just so happens that you can't see the really real with your naked eye. But friends, it is no less real. In fact, it is more real. But you have to have a heart. <laughs> yeah, yeah, come with me. I, if I ever, I've said this before publicly, if I ever get to the place where I realize, you know, I don't, I don't believe in God. I don't think this is real. It will be the last time you see me up here. Because I'm not, I'm not doing this for any other reason other than... I believe, now it's a mystery and God is becoming more and more mysterious to me, but also God's becoming more and more loving to me. 
in an experiential way that I, I, I can't articulate as much as feel. And, and so I'm going to keep following <laughs> this love that, that uh, Patty read about in 1 John because at the end of the day, I believe it is the only thing that is real. That is love. That's all that's real. Main teaching today uh, to the question, you know, the, the title is the most important question. What is the most important question? Well, I think is what is real? And I just encourage you, if nothing else, you, you may not be a Christian, um, uh, I, you know, it doesn't matter what you believe. I'm so glad you're here and you belong here. Regardless what you believe, I really mean that. We mean that. I just hope you ask this question, but what is real? And I, I hope you, uh, like Socrates, the unexamined life is not worth living. Let's, let's examine together. Let's move together to try to find whatever that is. So here's the main teaching. I believe this is the key. To know what is real, you have to let the light in to find out. To know what is real, you have to let the light in. Little nod to Lana Del Rey there. Any Lana Del Rey fans? Um, no. Um, I, every time I ask if anyone likes music I, that I like, this is the response I get, which is fair enough. But I think, um, thank you. Uh, her, her latest album is amazing, I think. And she's got a song on there called Let the Light In. Um, I'm, I promise I'll get to Taylor Swift at some point, Jennifer. But um, with, with like sermon titles and things like that, I love Taylor Swift too. Lana Del Rey is kind of like the, uh, um, the, the Taylor Swift that hangs out in the gutter. Um, and this song, is, has, this, her song has nothing to do with the sermon, okay, just disclaimer. Um, but I love the title. If you want to know what's real, let the light in. Okay, here's the scene with Jesus. He basically says, you're right to the crowd. You do know me. I'm very ordinary. In fact, my own biological brothers don't believe I'm the Christ either. <laughs> Yeah, you do know me. You know where I'm from. But here's the thing. You don't see me because you don't know who sent me. You don't know how to see me because you don't know God. He's telling very zealous religious people they don't know God. And that's why they can't see him. So... (laughs) Uh, He says, basically, you're not looking in the right place. You've heard me quote Carl Jung. The modern person can't see God because they won't look low enough. He's He's the one washing the feet. He's not the one on the white horse with the sword up here. And so... He says this to this crowd, and, and sure enough, that did it. And we see the first time in John where they try to arrest him. This is the first time they try to arrest him. But there is an unseen, deeper reality that is just more real than what you can see with the naked eye. And so John says, they didn't catch him this time because, it, guess what, it wasn't his time. And there's a deeper reality that's sort of like governing things. And then, strangely enough, it says many believed him. And this really made the Pharisees mad. The Pharisees were just, they, they were, now this was uh, kind of a political party within the religious world. These were the, they were the reformers, the reformed people. They were trying to reclaim, they were trying to make Israel great again. That's what they were trying to do. That's the, that's the Pharisees. 
super zealous. They knew the Bible better than any of us. And it really ticks them off that people start believing this homeless guy named Jesus. So this is the first instance where we see the religious collude with power. That is the power of the state, of the government, to try to seize him. It won't be the last. And guess what? 2024, America, same song, different verse. Religious colluding with the government for what? Power. (laughs) This is the opposite of the kingdom. If you live that way, you will not see this king. You won't even see him. I don't care how much you say you follow him. You you don't see him because that's not who he is. So Jesus says, you see me now, but in a little while, I'm going to a place where you, you won't be able to see me. I'm going to slip back behind the veil of what is seen. Doesn't mean it's any less real. It's a deeper reality. It's right here. It's not up there. That's metaphorical language in Scripture of heaven being up there. Heaven is here. It's a different space, different dimension, if you will. It's here. You need another way to see heaven. To Actually, you have to feel it more than see it. There's a deeper reality than meets the naked eye. And those who know how to see will see it. Quotes and quotes. Metaphorically, you will. And, and seeing, really, like knowing is more about an experience. It's more about your heart. It's more about your gut than the eye. We have to know how to see in order to see what is really there. So Jesus, uh, I brought, a, I brought a, a flashlight with me. I'm going to break out. Um, I was pointing at the kids over there a while ago, just like I am right now, and they're having a good time. They go, you're not going to point that at us, are you? And I'm like, yeah, right, right, right now. Um, Jesus didn't talk about a flashlight, but he talked about a lamp one time. I'm not sure I really understood this parable until like the past year, honestly. Um, let me read it for you. In Matthew 6, 22 through 23, he's talking about how we see, okay? This is what he's, not what we see, how we see. Matthew 6, 22 and 23 says this, The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you, the light that is in you, is darkness, well, how how great the darkness. Okay, I want us just to first try to hear what Jesus is saying. I, I'm a, you're prob- you may have been like me, and you kind of like think Jesus is talking about we, like what we look at, that we should like, I don't know, look at pure, more, things that are more pure than some things. He's not talking about what we're looking at at all. He's talking about how we see what we see. It's different. So first... It, That's the the thing to know about what Jesus is saying. It's not what you see that matters. It's how you see what you see that matters. That changes everything. So what we see doesn't necessarily need to change. Do you know what does need to change? Do you know who needs to change? 
me. This is, this is the whole point of the kingdom. You will not see the kingdom unless you do what? Repent. What does repent mean? It really just means change. Jesus is saying it doesn't matter what you see. In fact, what you see doesn't necessarily need to change. You need to change. We need to change, okay? So that's the first thing to note about this parable. Second, and here's where the flashlight comes in handy. Um, did you notice where the lamp or the light is directed? Did you notice where it was directed in this parable? Let me read it again. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is dark, how great the darkness. Okay, so which direction is the light pointed? Right here. Did you hear it? I just want us to hear this. I'm not saying you have to understand it. But this is what Jesus is saying. He's not saying that the light is meant to be pointed out. That is the lamp, the eye. It's meant to be directed at the true light that is already within. When the lamp shines on that light, your whole body will be light. You will see reality. So where do we go in a way to see what is real? Not out here. We go right here. Now, again, you can disagree with that. You can certainly think that's weird, mysterious. I don't know what Chad means. I just want you to see this is what Jesus is teaching. I I, I believe this is what the parable says. And so now let's begin to talk a bit more about how this connects with not what you see so much, but, but how you see. This is where we look. Where do we look to find what is real? Well, with the healthy lamp, we look in. That's the key. It needs to be a healthy eye, a healthy lamp. So what does that mean? Well, actually, the, pre, the bookend little passages of Matthew 6 tell us. There are two passages on either end of the lamp parable that actually explain what a healthy lamp or a healthy eye is. This is what Matthew 6, 19 through 21 says. Do not store up for you treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Remember, heaven's not necessarily up there, okay? Different place, different space, different dimension. Store up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consumes And where thieves do not break in and steal. There's a place where you are untouchable. And then he says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So so don't focus on what you see with the naked eye. You've got to look somewhere else. And if, if your heart is there in this heaven... Well, now we're getting at what it means to have a healthy light and a healthy lamp to notice what is really inside, 
Okay, that was, that's, that, then on the other side of the lamp parable, it says this, one verse. Again, we're getting at what, what is a healthy lamp? What's a healthy eye? No one can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Now we're getting at what it means to have a healthy eye, a healthy lamp. Um... Listen, it doesn't matter how much money you have. You may have a lot or zero. You can still serve that amount of money no matter how much you have. And if we are serving wealth, if we are serving possessions, things, all things tied to the ego, if we are living in a way that is about self-interest only, egocentric, the lamp shining inside will only shine darkness and cover the light that is in there. Now we know what a healthy lamp is. Uh, A healthy lamp, and y'all hear me say this a lot, is simply when we surrender our ego and when we serve God, others, including ourselves. when we do that, that is the healthy Lamp that we are meant to point inside and see what is really going on. I believe this is what Jesus means. And he's telling these people in this crowd, as he was often telling them, you you just don't get it. Um, You're looking for God in all the wrong places. Guess what? God is actually in you. (laughs) The kingdom of God dwells inside you, is within we, we are made in the image of God. Post-Jesus, here's the good news of the gospel. We now also come, well, from Jesus. Jesus says, he comes from God. You don't know me because you don't know where, who, who, I, who sent me. Well, post-Jesus, now the gospel tells us we come from God too. We come from Jesus. New creation, Right? But this is where we look to see what is real. Um, I'm sort of teeing us up for next week. Uh, Next week is Jesus says this this one amazing verse where he says, he talks about this flowing river of living water in our innermost being. Remember, he's not, it's, it's in here. And literally, the word in the Greek for, for like your innermost being, it's hard to translate, but it, that's three words. It really just means your gut. Kolia, your, your belly. There's a living water that is here. It's that, it's that little voice that when you saw someone in need and the church was telling you, I don't know, to just send a check to Malawi or somewhere and, and, and don't, don't help out this individual on the side of the road because he's just going to go buy some liquor or something. That little voice has said, that's wrong. No, that, that, that's wrong. I'm, I'm going to help this person. And guess what? There are no strings attached to my help because there are no strings attached to God's love for me. That little voice is the light within And the more you surrender ego and serve God and then shine that light there, the louder that voice will get. Um, Let me end with this. So, again, if if that's all strange talk, I'm 
mainly just asking us to dedicate our lives to searching for what's real. You are going to need some help with that, though. But, but, but here's, here's really a key, is just you, you also have to open yourself up to it. You have to open your, we have to open ourselves up in order to experience what is real, what is true. And here's the good news of the gospel. Once again, the truth is love. The truth is love. If you open yourself up to that, it will find you. There was this guy, um, another musician that, that probably everyone hates, um, named Daniel Johnston, a lot more obscure than Lana Del Rey. Daniel Johnston was, was kind of like Jesus in a lot of ways. He lived in the 90s, had some acclaim whenever Kurt Cobain showed up on MTV wearing a T-shirt with a Daniel Johnston um, drawing on it. And people were like, who is Daniel Johnston? Well, Daniel Johnston was a guy that lived in Austin, Texas, and worked at McDonald's. But he um, recorded music in his home alone. And he would record these recordings on tape cassettes. And he started bringing them to McDonald's and passing them out during work. <laughs> yeah, so people do that today. It was still, still occasionally with CDs. Now they'll, they'll give you like a barcode and look me up on Spotify or whatever. But, but he would in the 90s, would show up to work and just start passing out these cassettes. Well, something began happening. There was something about this music that was powerful. He, he was um, drawing from another place because pretty soon he got uh, fairly famous. And there's one song that maybe you've heard um, called True Love Will Find You in the End. And, and this is a song, um, Daniel Johnson, by the way, died in 2019 and uh, an apparent heart attack, tragically. But for a little, little, and he struggled with mental illness. He struggled with a lot of things, which is the other side of the coin of brilliance sometimes. And, um, but but he, he was channeling something from another place. And I believe this song is that. I, I think this song is, is from another place. It's giving us some really deep wisdom that's going to sum up what I'm trying to say in this sermon. Here's a song, short song. I've actually sung this at the prison before, and I probably will never do it here. But I did do it there once. I'm going to read you the, the lyrics. It says, true love will find you in the end. You'll find out just who was your friend. Don't be sad. I know you will. But don't give up until true love will find you in the end. And this is really, this is really wise right here. This is deep. This is a promise with a catch. Only if you're looking can it find you. Because true love is searching too. But how can, you recognize, how can it recognize you if you don't step out into the light? Don't be sad. I know you will. Don't give up until true love will find you in the end. Friends, true love is a person named Jesus the Christ. Um. Let the truth of your life guide you there. This is a passive thing. I'm, just let the truth guide you, teach you on its own terms. That, that is the truth of your life. If, you, if we open ourselves up to let our lives, as we are, teach us, 
I believe the gospel declares we will be guided to the one who is love. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, <clears throat> love will find us. At the end of the day, love, I believe, I do believe, this, this, this is again the gospel. If you open yourself up, the love is searching too. It's a person. Will find us because, well, love is all that's real. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, um, as the words are coming out of my mouth, uh, I, I'm, I'm sure when I give them to you, Holy Spirit, do, do what you want. Um, I, I, encourage, I hope we will just, with your guidance, meditate on these things. I mean, what, what if love is all that is real at the end of the day when it's all said and done? Is, is that not what the Bible teaches us about you? Is that not what, what Patty read in 1 John? That you are love? And so when we encounter love, true love, we are encountering God? I don't know how else to take that. I, I pray that we would just hear it and wrestle with it. And um, most of all, I pray that we would feel today the love of God in Christ Jesus for us right now as we are. In Jesus' name, amen.